This morning, I would welcome you to join with me by turning in Scripture to the, to the book of Exodus and find chapter 20. We're going to look at one verse from there, but I want you to keep your Bibles handy because we're going to look at some other verses elsewhere through Scripture as we reflect on and think on this, um, this idea of honoring moms. You may have noticed as I earlier in our worship time this morning as I welcomed you that I said happy Mother's Day to my wife and to my mother-in-law, but I neglected to say anything about my mother. Twenty years ago, my mother went home to be with the Lord, and though I haven't seen her, obviously, for those years, I, and I long for and look forward to the time when I'll see my mom again, the things that I'm going to teach you today are still driven in my heart anyway uh, by my desire to honor my mother and the things that she had has taught me over the years. I have a lot of mom stories I could tell you uh, and made as we, as we go through our study time this morning. But I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want you to hear me say how blessed I've, I've been to have had such a mother as, as my mom was for me. And uh, what, a, what a privilege it is for me to honor her today uh, by speaking these words these are things that she embedded into my life. Uh, and moms not only have an impact on their own children, but they also have an impact on other people's children. For instance, we have several mothers that are a part of this church at Sterling Acres, the fellowship here, that are moms who teach other people's children. They may in the nursery area or in a in a, uh, a Sunday school class or in our, in our group activities um, and vacation Bible schools or camps, things like that. And these mothers pour their lives into the lives of children who are not their own, and they make an impact on them. And so I'm grateful for, for mothers and all that they, that they do for us. I once read of a, uh, of a, a person who was looking for a mom, thinking about hiring a mom, so they wrote a job description to, and advertised it as far as what, uh, uh, what they were looking for in a mother. And I'm going to read to you that job description. The first thing that it said on there is, this is a permanent job. Number two, the successful applicant must be prepared to work hard. Number three, the workplace is often a changing and chaotic environment. Number four, applicants must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be, be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends and the typical 24-hour shifts on call. App, uh, Extensive chauffeuring duties are also required, but travel expenses will not usually be reimbursed. Some overnight travel will be required, including trips to camping sites on rainy weekends and countless sports tournaments in faraway places. The applicant must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, 
or at least until someone needs $5. They must be willing to bite their tongue repeatedly, must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule, and be able to go from zero to 60 in three seconds flat, in case this time the screams from the backyard are genuine and not just someone crying wolf or plain. The applicant must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges, such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. The applicant must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. The applicant must have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. As regards to health and safety, must be able to handle the assembly and product, product safety testing of hundreds of toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. Must assume final, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance, laundering, janitorial work throughout the place of employment. As far as promotion prospects, none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining and constantly restraining are retraining and updating your skills so that those in, in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience, none is required because no other form of employment is totally relevant. But on-the-job service training is offered on a continually exhausting schedule. Wages and bonuses, none. Job satisfaction is what you will hopefully receive. You will pay every bill of your child at least until they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. And when you die, you will give them whatever is left. The strangest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you should enjoy it and wish you could have only done more. Benefits, while no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, and no bonuses are offered, this job supplies limitless opportunities for free hugs for life, if you play your cards right. Tenure, this job will last you the rest of your life. Now, I'm sure that there is some tongue-in-cheek that's here, and I'm not sure it was really ever published or printed uh, as an advertisement for a mother, but it does tell us a little bit about what moms have to go through as they make an impact on our lives. And that's why today we want to honor moms. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, tells us, as you could, and you can read it there with me, that we are to honor your father and your mother. 
Honor your father and your mother. These words are, the context of, the, of this particular verse is that this is in the heart of the Ten Commandments that were given on Mount Sinai to Moses from God. In the way that it's written, in the way that it's read, in the way that it's spoken, it is a commandment that we are to honor our father and our mother. Why? So that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There are a lot of discussions these days about how to live a long and happy and healthy life. Many talk about it being uh, a matter of diet and exercise, and whereas those have great value and great benefit, God tells us that long life is determined by or dependent upon how well we fulfill the commandment of Exodus 20, verse 12, to honor our father and our mother. And so today we want to look at some things about how it is that we can honor our mothers uh, and, and how it is that mothers are deserving of that honor. We also, want to, we also want to talk about how mothers have a responsibility because of uh, the fact that they are mothers. And so that's the first point I want to look at with you this morning as we look on this theme of honoring moms is that mothers have a responsibility to their children. Mothers have a responsibility to their children. That probably goes without being said. As you think about maybe your motherhood, or maybe about the mom that you had, we, we think about how, uh, how it is that the word first comes to a mom that they're going to be a mom. I can remember that when, um, when Sue found out from the doctor that she was pregnant with, with our first son, with Nathan. And I can, re- I can still recall the conversation we had as we celebrated and were so happy about these things. We didn't sit around and talk about and think about how difficult it was going to be. We didn't talk about the pain that was going to take place nine months later during childbirth. We didn't talk about the pain that would take place the next 18 years during child rearing. We rather thought about and reflected upon the joy that would come into our lives when this little bundle would be placed in our arms. As we went through the process of raising children, one of the things that we learned was that we had a responsibility to that little child. We had to feed that child. We had to bathe that baby and clothe that baby and teach that baby how to say certain words and how not to say certain other words. We helped him as he began to learn to grow to the point of being able to stand and then, and then to walk and then eventually to run. And I, I've often thought about how, how, uh, how unusual it is for parents that we, we look forward to and we long for and we train our, our babies to get up on their own and to walk and to speak. And then as soon as they've learned that fairly well, we just want them to sit down and be quiet. 
But we, we had a responsibility to the child that God gave to us. And we wanted to invest our lives in this child. And a, a great deal of our, of our income was going to be directed and routed to this young life. And that was part of the responsibility that we had in caring for our child. Mothers have a responsibility to their children. Now the word mother is found 42 times in the Bible. The very first time that we read the word mother, it's found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And there it's, it says, this is after God has made the uh, the woman from the man in Genesis chapter 2, and the man uh, it has, has lost a rib, but has gained a wife. And when man sees what God has given to him, he says, wow, this is good. That's my paraphrase of it. But then later in the, in the um, conversation about this role of, of a husband and wife, is, is uh, found verse 24 that says, by way of explanation, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and those two shall become one flesh. Did you see what it says there? That a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to is brought together and, and is to hold fast to his new wife, the one that, that, that has come into his life, and these two shall become one flesh together. Moms, do you understand that one of your responsibilities to your children is to prepare them for that day? That time when they will grow up, when they will be on their own, when they will leave the nest... In all of nature, one of the things as you watch, watch uh, uh, mothers take care of their young is they will feed them and they will nurture them as when they're small, but when they reach an age where they need to fly on their own, moms will be the ones that push them out of the nest. That's part of the responsibility. The responsibility for us as humans is to prepare our children, to teach them not only ABCs and 123s, not only how to, how to hit a curveball or to bend it like Beckham, that's my annual reference to soccer, but we are to teach them about how to be on their own, to be mature, to be adults, to receive a husband or to receive a wife. That's our primary task as mothers. Uh, mothers, you have the responsibility to your own children. Now, this is not, I want, to, or I want to show you this demonstrated in the pages of Scripture. For that, I, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be looking here uh, briefly at the calling of Mary to be Jesus' mother. Mary was a young maiden. She was a young virgin girl, probably in her early teens. And she was going to be thrust into the spotlight, but also into the awesome task and responsibility, not only of raising a child, 
but of raising the Son of God and preparing Him to fly the nest one day to be the world's Savior and the world's Messiah. In Luke chapter 1, an angel comes to her and gives her the word. Tells her how how, um, all of this is going to happen. And I want to take it up in, in verse 28. Gabriel is speaking to, to Mary and says, says to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the responsibility that Mary was receiving by committing herself to receive this word from God and be obedient to it. The verses that follow, Mary says, let it be done to me as you've spoken. When she did, that meant that she was taking on the responsibility of raising the Son of God and preparing Him to be the Savior, the world's Savior. What an awesome responsibility. What an overwhelming task for a young girl, for somebody who's never done this before, to come and and take care of, of, of Jesus to be the Savior. You see, she had a responsibility to her child to prepare him to, uh, to be what God was, had sent him to be. As I thought about this, I thought about how, uh, how, this, how Mary was raising the, the, the one who spoke her life into existence. How this little baby was fully God, fully capable, fully able, but also that this little child was fully human and needing of nurturing and care and instruction to learn how to be compassionate and caring. And so Jesus was dependent upon Mary, his mother, to be able to fulfill the task that God had given to him. It's an awesome thing, an awesome responsibility that children, that mothers have to their children. And that brings me to a second point today. And that is that not only do mothers have a responsibility to their children, but children then have a responsibility to their mothers. Even Jesus had a responsibility to his own mother. Now the scriptures tell us Uh, with regards to the responsibility that we have 
as, as uh, children to our parents, um, there are several verses that tell us why this is important. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, says, Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. That's a strong verse, isn't it? Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Because he has cursed his father or his mother, his blood is upon him. This is an awesome thing to, to think of with regards to, uh, to, being, um, uh, to being honoring to our mothers. Uh, anyone, because anyone who curses shall be put to death. It tells us elsewhere in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 27, that cursed is anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. Why would someone be cursed if they don't honor their, their father or their mother? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish one is a sorrow to his mother. These verses talk to us about, about the, the role and the responsibility that a child has to honoring their mother. That verse, I want to go back again to Exodus chapter 20 where it tells us, it commands us that children, that we are to honor our father and our mother and, and remind you that this is not a good thing to do. This is not a suggestion of something you ought to do. This is not just something that you should pull out on the second Sunday of May every year and honor your mother then. This is to be our, a measure of our life. And it's a commandment of God. And it's a commandment of God that has a, that, that has a promise that's made to it that if you do this, you'll live long in the days in the land where God gives to you in, the, in that day. So it's so important that we learn to honor our, our father and our mother, not only because it's right and commanded, but because it has, a, it has an effect on our lives as well. Now, I thought about Jesus and the way that he chose to honor his mother. The responsibility that Jesus had. Let me back up and say the responsibility that Jesus, the Son of God, had toward his mother. See, Jesus wasn't, didn't get an exemption card here. He didn't get to bypass this command. He had to honor this command himself in his life. And I, I've thought about how, how in my life, with my mother... The numbers of times that I'm sure I, bought, I brought grief to her with my conduct, or with my words, or with my lack of conduct, whatever it may have been. How Jesus, I wondered if Jesus was a typical teenage boy, or kid growing up, if he had times he brought some grief to his mother Mary. Well, I... I, I Hand through scripture in my mind, and I came up with two or three places that had to be hurtful to Mary as she was seeing this from her son, 
Jesus. The first one is found in Luke chapter 2. And in Luke chapter 2, it tells us when Jesus was 12 years of age, he went with the family to Jerusalem for the Passover. And while they were there, he, and he participated in this, this enormously significant religious, spiritual, and social uh, event there in the city of, of Jerusalem. And then the group went back home to their, to their place in Nazareth. But Jesus didn't go. Jesus stayed behind. And it took them till the end of the, the first day of travel before they realized Jesus wasn't in the group. Now, a 12-year-old, you'd think, would know enough to be responsible that when we leave, that means we all leave. And that he should have been there in his place. At least that's what they thought. So Mary and Joseph had to leave the group and return back to Jerusalem, and they searched for him. And the scriptures say that it was three days before they found Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, when they found him, Mary, Jesus' mother, says, what have you done? Now, I, I think that probably the Bible kind of tones it down a little bit. I've, I've seen moms at Walmart when their kids get separated or at the grocery store or anywhere, and there's, a, there's, something that, there's some sort of a panic mode that moms are able to go through to where they can, their heart rate is able to go enormously high, but they're still able to function. And when they find their child, there is both anger and relief. And so she says, Jesus, do you understand what you have put us through? And Jesus said, but mom, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And then it says that Jesus went back home and he made himself subject to them. And he, he, he dwelt under their authority. Now, a couple things about that. First of all, Jesus wasn't a man yet. He was 12. And I think that scripture is very explicit uh, at that point because a young man or a, a boy doesn't become a man until he's bar mitzvahed at his 13th birthday. So this is while he's still a child, and sometimes uh, as children we can, we can do some pretty unusual or, uh, or bad things, if you will. But also, this was in regards to fulfilling the ministry, the purpose that he had as the Son of God. And so that, though it may have been upsetting to Mary, she understood, she of all people understood the special child that Jesus was. And the special place that he had in, in religious and biblical history. Then there was another occasion where Jesus is, is teaching with his disciples on a, on a mountain. And, and there as he's, he's talking with all of them and he's, he's handling all sorts of questions and problems and healing people. That a group come to him and says to him, Jesus, your mother and your brothers want to see you. Jesus, without batting an eye, said, those aren't my mother and my brothers. These are my mother and my brothers. The ones who listen to me and who follow me, 
who understand me. Those are my family. And I can imagine what Mary must have felt when she heard the report. He's not coming because, uh, because he says that you're not his mother. Jesus, I, though we don't read about it in Scripture, I've got to believe that Jesus got with her afterwards and explained to him. This, again, has to do with his fulfilling of his ministry with regards to the kingdom of God. But it had to be painful to Mary to hear, I'm not your mother. But what, that isn't really what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying was, you are my biological mother, but my calling supersedes that. And so he, uh, he has that, uh, that time when he must have hurt her. And then there was the grief that came to Jesus, or to, to Mary, as she, according to John chapter 19, stood beside his cross as he was being crucified. She wasn't grieved because Jesus uh, had done something deserving of crucifixion. She was grieved because she knew he hadn't. And that he was dying in the place of her. And in the place of all who would put their faith and trust in him. Jesus, in in so doing, was fulfilling his purpose. That's why he came. He came to be Mary's savior. The savior of his mother. The one who gave him life. He now was giving life to her. And here's the point that I want to make. Just as Jesus, in fulfilling his his, uh, God-given role and responsibility as God's Son and as God's Christ, as God's Messiah, that he would would also uh, interject that into the situation of where he is as a person in the family. And, and, and that he would have a mother and brothers and sisters. But a higher call was this call to follow God. And this was, this was something that Mary was going to have to learn as part of her responsibility to prepare him for his life. That Mary also would have to one day let him go. Turn loose of him so that he could fulfill his purpose in life. But I want you to see, at the cross, when Jesus hung on that cross, he saw his mother there, and he continued to honor her by telling John, John, I want you to take care of mom. Until the time when God takes you home, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to my father's house. So, woman, this now is your son. Son, John, This now is your mother. Do you see the heart of Jesus was to honor his mother? Because not only did she have a responsibility to him, but he had a responsibility to her. That's no different than that which you and I have with regards to our mothers. And that's true whether, like many of you, your mother maybe even is sitting in the room there watching with you, or maybe your mother is across town or in another state somewhere, and you'll pick up the phone and you'll you'll call or you'll go visit or you'll do something to to uh, speak to your mother. But there are those of us like myself whose mothers aren't here with us. 
They aren't here to send a Mother's Day card to or to make a phone call to. But they're still my mom, they're still moms, and they still should be honored with our lives. It should be the desire of every person who hears me, who sees me, and even those who don't hear and see me, it should be the responsibility of every one of them to honor their mother. And that never runs out. I still think one of the motivators that I have in my life is that I oftentimes will think, now what would happen if my mom knew I was thinking this or saying this or doing this? Because I don't want to do anything to bring dishonor to my mother or to her name. That's the responsibility that we have. And we have that Well, because of the structure of the family, but we also have that because it's a commandment of God. It should be the desire of every child who has been properly trained and equipped in the home to come to a place where they have matured and and now can say, I desire to honor God by honoring my mother. So... Today, you have a choice. You can choose whether you'll obey God and honor your mother. You may say, well, wait a second, Pastor. What about, what about if my mom isn't deserving of being honored? As we read verse 12 of chapter 20 of Exodus, there were no qualifications that were put on it. No disclaimers. No disqualifiers. All, all it said was that you are to honor your father and your mother. And I believe that means even if they're not worthy of being honored, you choose to honor them. And then your days will be long in the way that God blesses you. So today on Mother's Day, moms, we honor you. We, we thank God for you. And as children who are coming along, or as adults who are mothers and fathers ourselves. We want to honor our parents by fulfilling our responsibility to you. And I pray that you'll be blessed today, you'll be honored as a mother, and that you will also just be challenged to be one who gives honor where honor is due. Pray with me, if you will. Father, today 